All right. Well, how are we doing this morning, Trace? Everybody doing all right? Everybody feeling good? Everybody sugared up? How many of you guys got a donut? Everybody got a donut? All right. Awesome. Hopefully uh, our kid, Trace Kids Director doesn't kill me because uh, we sugared all your kids up and then sent them to kids ministry, which is awesome. Uh, hey, I want to say welcome to all of you in this room. I also want to say welcome to those that are going to be watching online today. Thanks for joining the conversation. And uh, man, we're just excited to talk to you about some things that are happening around here today. And I'll get to that here in just a moment. But let me start with a statement that I've made often, and I'm going to make it again right now. It's amazing. It's amazing how little effort it takes on our part to be such a huge blessing in someone else's life. Have you ever noticed this? Now I want to say it differently. It's amazing what we can accomplish when over 130 people show up from Trace Church and leverage their influence to make someone else's story better. I want to say thank you. We can give it up. Go ahead. I want to say thank you to everybody who showed up yesterday at Mark Twain Elementary, and what an amazing day it was. Remember last week I said, hey, we've got one opportunity to make a first impression. And Trace Church, you represented well. You really did. And for those of you that couldn't join us yesterday, uh, just to fill you in, we've adopted this school called Mark Twain Elementary. And so uh, we're coming alongside of them. We're serving them in many different ways moving into the future. Uh, but if you couldn't make it yesterday, our next opportunity to serve together as a church is going to be on October 5th. And this one will look a little bit different but, different, but I want you to go ahead and mark your calendars. Because on October 5th, we're joining with churches all around the city to do a, a citywide service project, which is going to be incredibly cool. And so oftentimes, you know, you hear us talk about our church, but remember, we're just a church that's a part of the church in Colorado Springs. And so we're joining the church of Colorado Springs to serve this city well and celebrate and elevate the name of Jesus. So mark your calendars, October 5th. Well, today we're continuing in this series called Deep and Wide. And for those of you that are new, I've met several new people today. Uh, this series was about us giving us an opportunity to unveil some things to you that we feel like we need to make some changes in as a church, some, some shifts in some, the directions that we've been taking. And so today will be no different. And I'll be talking more about that towards the end of my sermon, but we will be in John chapter 13 today. So if you have your Bibles with you, we encourage you to bring them every week, whether you look at them on a device or you bring a physical Bible. So you can turn those open, turn them on, find your way to John 13. But before we get there, I need to build for us a framework. And what I'm really going to try to do is build for us a, <clears throat> excuse me, a unique perspective into the subject that we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be highlighting the subject of serving today. But I want to give you a unique perspective and on how we're going to approach this today. So it's going to take me a little bit of time. Just be aware of that. It's going to take me a little bit of time to build a framework so that we can have a broader lens in which we look at this subject. And here's how I'd like to begin. This last week, I went into one of my favorite uh, sandwich restaurants. And you would be familiar with this restaurant, but I'm not going to tell you for the name for obvious reasons. I'm not here to bash any restaurants. But when you walk into this particular sandwich restaurant, they typically will say, hey, welcome to, and fill in the blank. Some of you guys may already know what I'm talking about. And so I walked into this particular restaurant, ready to get a nice sandwich, and I opened the door, and I'm like, ready to hear it. And it's like, uh, it didn't happen. Nobody said anything. Nobody said, hey, welcome to. And every other time that I've been to this restaurant, like, it's happened. They said, hey, welcome to. And so the, my curiosity gets the best of me, and I start looking around like, what, like, what happened? What changed? Because I've, never, I've never experienced this coming into this restaurant. And I noticed a couple guys behind the counter, and you could tell they didn't want to be there. And because they didn't want to be there, they didn't think it was you know, important to, to use this phrase that they typically would use, something that was really a part of their story. And so they just dismissed the importance of it altogether. And I, I'll be honest with you, it changed the experience for me. Because if I'm coming into a place where people don't want to be I don't know how much I actually want to be there. Maybe you share that with me. 
I bet all of us can think of a few places that when we go there, based on their reputation, whatever that organization is, based on that reputation, uh, based on their culture, we expect to experience certain things. For instance, how many of you guys have been to Disney, Disneyland, Disney World, either or? You know that when you go to Disneyland or Disney World, you're going to receive exceptional customer service. I mean, you have to, right? Because it's the happiest place where on earth. Or what about this one? Maybe uh, you'd like to do your shopping on Amazon. I'm a big Amazon shopper for your convenience. And so you sit behind the, you know, your computer and you buy what you need from the convenience of being at home. And you know that uh, it, it works because there's only two-day what? Two-day yeah, delivery. And what about this one? Uh, all of us, like our favorite place to go get a chicken sandwich, some people call this Christian chicken. Yeah, there's already applause happening. If you've never been to Chick-fil-A, you're probably not a Christian. I don't know if you've read that in the Bible before or not. But that would be the case. And so we go here, and again, these, these, this company specifically has done an incredible job solidifying a culture. And every single time, like every single time you say thank you for something, what are you going to hear? Exactly, my pleasure. Now, you know you've solidified a culture well when you have people that are actually doing parodies about how well that your culture operates. Check this video out really quick. How you doing, man? Welcome to Chick-fil-A. My uh, name is Jonas. All right, uh... Can I get a... Son, kid. Oh, shh. Try to keep the baby calm. Oh, so what exactly are you ordering today? Number four, okay. Yeah, and uh, hold the pickles. Number four, hold the pickles. Um, I do, I do a, like a lemonade with sweet tea half, kind of. Let me get two gallons of lemonade oh with sweet tea. Two gallons? Three. Oh! Let me find my money real quick. I can find one. Don't worry about that. We got that. That's for you. I see your AC's running a little hot. My AC? Yeah. You really think so? Oh my god, you back here again? It's good AC you feeling right there. It is. How you keep getting in and out of the car without me hearing anything, man? Oh, where'd he go? I should have asked him for some gas money. Might be able to do too. Yeah, you clapping at us. Yeah, that's what you're clapping for. So, what would happen? What would happen if Disney stopped caring so much about creating a magical experience? What would happen if Amazon started delivering two days late? And what would happen if the people at Chick-fil-A answered with whatever instead of my pleasure? Some people would say, well, I think they would lose like part of their brand. That would be a common phrase, common response. I think they'd lose part of their brand. But I would go as far as to say, I think they would lose part of their story. You see, the reason why we know these organizations so well and the fact that they're set apart from their competitors is because these organizations, they tell a story. You see, at some point in time, probably before they ever started, they decided that they weren't going to settle, that they weren't going to settle for the status quo. They weren't going to settle for just being a mediocre company. And the way that I would define mediocre is this. Mediocrity is chronic inconsistency. Now, I don't think any of us ever strive for this, right? 
But I think we're all subjected to it, and I think all churches are potentially subjected to it. I mean, you're never going to go to a little kid, you know, hey, little Timmy, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mediocre doctor and help people sometimes, right? You don't get that. Hey, little Susie, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mediocre mom and watch Netflix more than I watch my kids. No, you don't hear that, right? Those are not the kind of responses that you're going to get. Not being facetious, of course, but mediocrity can drift into each of our lives, especially when we lose sight of our priorities, especially when we lose sight of our purpose. And so it can happen in each of our lives. And now let me make a side note really quick, because this is not a self-help sermon, but for what it's worth, I would challenge each and every one of you to maybe ask yourself the question, where, are, where am I the most chronically inconsistent? Where am I the most chronically inconsistent, specifically in the areas that should be mattering the most in my life? It's a great question to wrestle with, but that's not for us today. I want to bring us back to what this means for us. So here's my question to us as a church. Where do you want to be so consistent? When I say you, like we all make up, we all make up Trace Church, where do you want us to be so consistent as a church that no matter when people come here, we know they're going to experience this, whatever this is? What is that for you? That no matter when people come, let me ask it differently. When you invite your friends or a neighbor or a coworker, and maybe some of you are like, Aaron, I did invite my friend today. Don't screw it up. Okay, I'm trying not to. So, But when you do invite them and when they do come, that no matter what Sunday they show up on, it doesn't matter if it's in the middle of the summer, it doesn't matter if it's Easter, it doesn't matter if it's Christmas, that when they come to Trace Church, they're going to experience this. What is this for you? Now, as the leaders of this church, we determined ahead of time that there were certain things that no matter when somebody comes to Trace Church, we want them to experience this. And these might be some uh, Captain Obvious responses, but let me give you a couple. We want them to experience the cross every week. doesn't matter when you come. We want you to have an encounter with the cross. This is why, as a church, we've decided to do communion every single week here. And we know not all churches do that, but we've decided this is something that we want to do. It gives us an opportunity to point back to Jesus and the fact that the only way that each of us can actually have life is because he gave up his for you and for me. And so every week we're going to celebrate with communion together and point back to the cross. We want a place for your kids. Like it's important to us. From the very beginning we've done this. We wanted environments where you could drop your kids off so they could learn about Jesus at their level so that you could come in here and learn about Jesus at your level. We want to worship. And we're going to sing some songs. How many of you guys appreciated Abby leading us in that song just a few moments ago? And Yeah, you can... <clears throat> that phrase, caught up in a holy moment. I don't know about you, but that was a holy moment for me. I need those. I need those in my life. And so we want to have worship. Those songs may look different from time to time, but nonetheless, we're going to have worship. We're going to have a message. Hopefully, it's a relevant message. You probably don't know how much time and preparation is, to, is put into each sermon every week. We have a team of people. We sit down. We talk. We pray. God, is this what you want us to convey this Sunday? We take this incredibly seriously, and I think you should know that. So every week we want to have a relevant message that's, that's always rooted in God's Word. But I think, I think this goes a step beyond. I think we want to go a step beyond this, even though these things are incredibly important. Because I'll put myself in your shoes. If you were to invite someone to church, you want them to like it, right? I mean, for those of you that might have a friend right now, it's like, I hope they like it. I don't think any of us are going to look at someone we invite to come here and say, hey, it's probably going to suck today, but I hope you get something out of it. I don't think that's ever going to be our posture. I don't think that's ever going to be our position. I'm pretty sure that all of us would be in agreement that we want our friends when they come here, all of them to feel welcome, no matter what they look like, no matter how they smell, no matter who they vote for, no matter you fill in the blank. We want everyone 
to feel welcomed here. We want them to have an amazing, their kids specifically, to have an amazing time. In other words, we don't just want them to have a room they drop their kids off at. We want their kids to have an amazing time and have adults that are passionate about speaking into their lives at their level and helping them to learn about Jesus. We want to have an adult that connects with every student that comes here. In other words, if you're a parent of a student, you need to know this about our student ministry. And by the way, last week we had 50 students show up on Sunday evening, but you need to know this about our student ministry that the win for student ministry is to have every, every kid, every student connected to at least one adult. That there's one adult that's speaking into their life, that's walking with them, that's investing time into them, that's asking them questions on an ongoing basis that truly wants to be involved in that student's life. We want that to be a consistent experience. We want people that will be willing to guide you to your next step. You know there was a survey taken Oh, it's probably a decade ago now, and it was the largest survey ever taken among churches in America. And among the survey, the number one answer that people you know, answered in the survey of like, you know, what, what do you think is missing from the church? The number one thing that people answered was, I want to know what to do next. I just want to know what to do next. Like, I feel like I'm getting stuck, and I want to know what to do next in my faith. I want, I want to know next what you want me to do here at this church. And so we want guides. You're going to hear us talk about guides. We, want, we call them connectors here. But we want people that are willing to invest time that when you're ready, and when, maybe this is your first time, and for whatever reason you feel like this is a place where you want to belong. And so you start asking that question, well, what do I do next? And you go to guest services, and we have people that are passionate, not just there, right? Not just there, but they're passionate about helping you find your next step in faith. We want that to be a consistent experience here. We want people to experience the love of God in this place. Not because of what we say, but because of what we see, what they see. We want people to see a group of people that's willing to set aside their agenda, a group of people that's willing to lose sight of themselves, a group of people that's willing to make their lives available and are willing to love others in a tangible way. And we determined this last week, what's the best way that we can love others? We what? We serve them. And then maybe this last one's the most important one on the list. We want them to drink good coffee, right? <laughs> and all God's people said, no, no, don't say that, don't say that. <laughs> no, but let me get off on a tangent really quick. Do you know that I found out that we once served Folgers coffee here? And I almost fired somebody over that. And I'm just kidding, not really. Um, so <laughs> I want to celebrate somebody really quick. They didn't know I was going to do this, but, and I don't even think they're here today, but Karen and Ted are the owners of Kava Coffee. It's a, lo a local coffee shop in town, amazing coffee. Not only do they come here now, but they also run our cafe. So can we give it up for them caffeinating us for Christ every Sunday morning? Now, if you're one of those people like, where are you going? Say with me, because I promise you I'm taking this somewhere. Does anyone want to be mediocre in any of these areas? Like the church that you're a part of, do you want, like, would you, do you want to be mediocre? Do you want to be chronically inconsistent in any of these areas? Let me ask it differently. Do you want to invite someone to a church that's chronically inconsistent in any of these areas? Because here's the truth, folks. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we are. And you know how we fix that? It's a really spiritual answer. Stay with me. You. You see, we have everything that we need. Everything that we need to be the church that God is calling us to be in this room right now. We have everything that we need <clears throat> to be the church that this community 
hopes that we will be for the broken people in this city right now. We have everything that we need to become the church that your friends who you will invite that hopefully one day will accept your invitation expect us to be. Everything we need to be that church. And the answer lies with you. You've been hearing us say this often around here, but let me remind you that your commitment, your commitment to owning this with us, not just coming and being a spectator, but to participate, to take ownership of what God is calling us to be as a church together, and your commitment to that will always lead to our capacity. And you may ask yourself, commitment to what? We talked about it last week, to leverage your influence, not manufactured influence, the influence that you already have. Just leverage your influence to make someone else's story better. That's all we're asking. Now, let me pause here a little bit, because it's possible that someone in here right now is thinking to themselves, oh, I see where this is going. There's a pitch coming. Aaron, you want us to volunteer here at the church. Actually, I'm not. I'm not really going to give you a pitch today. And by the way, for what it's worth today, we're killing the word volunteer. Just to be clear, we're not killing a volunteer, but we're killing the word volunteer. And some of you may say, well, you're just going to replace it with another word that sounds like it. This is just semantics, and I don't think that's the case at all. You see, around here, we believe words matter. They really matter. And let me tell you why we're killing this word volunteer. You see, a volunteer or volunteering is something that you do. But serving, that's who God has called you to be. God has called you to be a servant. You see, volunteering is about filling a gap, right? Maybe you've been in a church before, and a guy maybe in my position would get up on the stage and say, we need somebody to serve in kids' ministry, because like, if you don't serve in kids' ministry, like, they're dying in there. There's kids getting rabies. Like, well, you got to come. Like, you ha- if you don't do this, the sky's falling kind of announcement to get people to get involved. We're not going to do that. You see, volunteering is about filling a gap. But serving, friends, that's about filling a purpose. And even though, yeah, I'm not going to ask you to volunteer for anything today, I am calling you to fulfill a purpose. That's one of my main purposes as a pastor, is to help to equip you, to prepare you for the work that God wants you to do. And so, yes, be lying if I didn't say I didn't want you to join a serving team today and help us accomplish the mission that God has put us on together and fill that gap, whatever you fill that line with, that we together could come around that and actually accomplish that so that no matter what somebody, no matter what Sunday somebody showed up on, they're going to experience that. Now listen to me, because I want to speak from my heart really quick. I don't want anything from you. It's likely you've been a part of a church at some point in time and you just felt like, man, they're just wanting more from me. They just want more from me. They're always wanting something. I don't want anything from you. But I do want something for you. I don't know. Some of you have heard my story. I didn't want to get into ministry. I didn't want to do this. I had a great career. I didn't want to get into ministry, but ultimately I lost that three-year battle with God because I just wanted people to experience the Jesus that had changed my life. The Jesus that had helped me to grow in things like grace and peace and purpose. And stay with me really quick, because you, you know where I've found the most, the most deep meaning types of purpose? When I serve other people. And when you serve other people. I bet most of you, if not all of you, that were with us yesterday serving at Mark Twain Elementary, I bet there was a moment where something deep in your soul came out, and it's like, this just feels right. This just feels right. This is just, this is what, like, this is purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
You know what happens when we find more deep, full, meaningful purpose? It shows us more lasting peace. You experience this. You know what happens when we're experiencing more lasting peace? We become more grateful for God's grace. So maybe I could say that serving others will put us in this perpetual state of more deep, meaningful purpose that will allow us to live in more lasting peace that will lead us to more gratitude for God's grace. Listen to me. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. And more importantly than me wanting that for you, that's what Jesus wants for you. I want to look in his gospel today, in John chapter 13, in John's gospel, uh, chapter 13, and we're going to do something a little different. We're actually going to work in reverse. And so let me set the scene for our first passage together. You see, Jesus is reclining at the table with his disciples, and he knows that the cross is not too far away, and so he knows he's only got a few more moments to teach his disciples, his fellows, some essential things that he wants to be a part of their ministry when he commissions them. And so he's sitting at the table, and he says, guys, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. And where I'm going, you can't go. Not now, anyways. And so, and I'll pick up in verse 34. He says, so now I'm going to give you a new commandment to love each other. And he says, just as I have loved you. This is important. So in other words, he's saying, hey, I want you to love one another. And then he points backwards. Just as I have loved you, just as you have observed me loving you. That's what I'm pointing towards. So I want you to love one another, but it's a specific type of love. Just as I have loved you. Hold on to that. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world, that's a strong statement, isn't it? Will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the question that should naturally follow would be this, how did Jesus love them? What is he pointing back towards? Well, lucky for us, he demonstrated that just a few passages earlier, and you know this. He washed their feet. How many of you guys have heard this story before? Everybody, if you have, just raise your hand. How many of you guys have heard the story, Jesus washing the disciples' feet? Yeah, most of you have. You've grown up in church at all. You've likely heard this. But I want to I pause here for a moment. Because uh, we were doing devotions this last week as a staff, and we're going through this devotion together. It's really cool. And so we're going through it, and one of the things that came up out of our devotional time together was, uh, man, have you ever noticed that sometimes when, you get, when you're reading through the Bible and you come up on a passage that you're really familiar with, that you just kind of bypass it, you dismiss it? It's like, oh, yeah, 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 I know. I've heard this story a thousand times. I've seen the illustrations. I saw a pastor once wash his wife's feet up on stage. It's beautiful. And so I know this, you know, it's like I know what's going to happen, and so I'm just going to dismiss this. I'm, gonna, oh, I'm just going to over, overlook this particular passage because I know it. I know it. Is it possible that we're dismissing something that God is still trying to teach us how to demonstrate? Is it possible that we're dismissing, just because it's familiar, we're dismissing it because it's so familiar but God is still saying, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you haven't even begun to do this yet. Like, you're not even demonstrating this in your life yet. I'm still trying to teach you through this passage. I don't care how familiar you are. And so I want to encourage this morning as we read this passage together, something that you're very familiar with, I think God's got something new for you. I think God's got something that he wants to teach you through this text this morning. And so my hope is that you'll lean in. Verse 12. Again, we're going in reverse. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down and he asked, Guys, do you understand what I was doing? You see, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow, key phrase, so do as I've done. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you, for doing them. So what is Jesus demonstrating? 
I mean, is that, I mean, do as I have done. So what, is, what did he do? He washed their feet. So is that what we're supposed to do? Like all the time, we're just supposed to go around and wash people's feet. I mean, was this a lesson, a clinic in podiatry by Jesus? It's like, hey, make sure you take care of your feet. Was this a reminder that cleanliness is next to godliness, which is not in the Bible, by the way, just so we're clear. No. Jesus was highlighting humility. Jesus was pointing to a bigger principle of serving others, of using what you have and offering it. Using what you have and taking advantage of whatever opportunity that God is putting in front of you. And this is where I want to dig down on this, guys. Because I promise you what God has showed me through this text this week is for someone, if not for everyone in this room. Jesus says, do as I have done. So what did he do? He had an opportunity, and he used what he had. Let me build this. Well, again, we're going in reverse. Verse 2. It was time for supper, and the devil, devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had. Everybody say, he had. The towel that he had around him. Stay with me. Some scholars have suggested that this scenario might not be what you think it is. In other words, Jesus didn't plan to do this. He was just using the opportunity in front of him because this is what they would suggest. Some scholars what would have happened is when the disciples and Jesus walked into this room, typically for this time in this culture, there would have been a foot washer. There would have been a servant who would have washed their feet because they didn't have Nikes during this time. And so uh, you can imagine the stuff that they walked through in their sandals. And so typically what would have happened when they walked into a room, specifically when they're going to share a meal together, somebody would have washed their feet. It would have been customary to do this. And so all the disciples find themselves around the table and it's probably one of those moments, if you can imagine, where they're looking around and they're like, nobody washed our feet. Like, are we even supposed to eat yet? Like, I don't think this can happen. Nobody washed our feet. And so they're kind of looking around. It's like, James, you going to do it? John, you going to do it? Peter's definitely not going to do it. Maybe one of these moments. Like, who's, who's going to make this happen? And then Jesus notices. These guys are just waiting for someone else to do what they could easily do themselves. And so Jesus says, I'll do it. And he steps up. And he uses what he has. Listen to me. He uses what he had. There's an opportunity in front of him, and all he does is he uses what he had. Stay with me. Guys, today I am inviting you into a deeper purpose, a deeper level of ownership and what we're trying to accomplish together as a church. And so I want to talk to two different groups of people really quick. I want to say to those of you that have stepped up and you've been serving on a team here at Trace, I want to say thank you. We could not do what we do without you. And today we're not going to call you a volunteer any longer. We're going to call you a serve team member, <clears throat> excuse me, because a volunteer is about filling a gap, but serving is about filling a purpose. And we want to invite you into deeper, more meaningful purpose. Now I want to talk to another group of people. I want to talk to some of you that have been sitting on the sidelines, and I promise you this is not a guilt trip sermon because you may have a really good reason why you've been sitting on the sidelines. Maybe you've got your fair share of church hurt that's been following you, and you're like, I don't even know if I want to do this again. Is this, is this place real? Like, who's this guy up on stage? And like, is this, do I really want to try this again? Maybe you got your fair share of just burdens and maybe 
your past and the brokenness that you know, like you know the behind-the-scenes footage of your life, and maybe you have disqualified yourself, maybe you have dismissed yourself because you don't even feel like you have much to offer. And so today, listen to me, I want to give you permission to play. And the reason that I'm saying it that way is because I want to give you permission to play with what you have. Not what you need, but with what you have. I'm giving you permission to play with what you have. I'm not asking you to be someone that you're not. And I promise you, all God wants now is to, for you to use what you have. What does that mean? It means I'm giving you permission to bring your junk, your past, your brokenness, your inadequacies, your shortcomings, and yes, even your sin. Bring it with you and jump in here and help us to accomplish a bigger mission together, a mission that is so much bigger than any one of our lives. Permission to play, guys, just with what you have. Just use what you have. Today we begin a new model of ministry together as a church, and you're going to hear more about this in the coming months, but it's going to be called an empowerment model of ministry. And you're going to hear us talk about that, but if you decide to jump on a team today here at Trace, your team leader is going to talk to you more about this. And what I've commissioned my team to do, one of the main focuses to my main leaders here is this statement right here. All I need you to do, guys, is to help lead others to leverage their influence for Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to help you to do, that we just want to lead you. We want to lead you to leverage your influence for Jesus. Not leverage that you need to manufacture, leverage that you already have. And if you'll simply do that, if we'll simply do that together... I believe we can create something here that no matter what Sunday somebody shows up, they're going to experience that list that we went over together earlier and more. So let me be clear. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care if you drink Folgers coffee. Well, maybe a little bit. Today I'm giving you permission. I'm giving you permission to play with what you have nothing else, just with what you have, because there's an opportunity in front of you. There's an opportunity in front of me, and if we'll just leverage the influence that we already have, we can make a kingdom impact in this church, yes, but in this city. And so I want you to remember that your commitment, your commitment, your willingness to jump in, your, your willingness to come in and be a part of this with us, to take hold of this with us, your commitment will always equal our capacity. And all I'm asking for is for you to bring what you already have. Let me pray for us. Father, so often we disqualify ourselves. We have bought this lie from the enemy that says that our lives got to get cleaned up first, that we got to get some things fixed first, that if they really knew who I was, if they really knew about that, that I wouldn't be worthy of any of this. And so, God, I pray that you, would you capture those lies and would you allow them to fall to the ground today? And Father, that you would remind people that the church was never about coming and being a spectator. It was always about being a participant in your movement, the ecclesia of Jesus, where we take hold, that we use what we have. We don't have to manufacture anything other than what you have already given us, that we use what we have, including our brokenness and our pain and our suffering and our past and our junk and our sin, that we would use that, that you can use that, and that we would take advantage of the opportunity in front of us, just like Jesus did when he washed the feet of the disciples. And so, God, I pray that you, you help us to navigate through this, that you would remind people in this room that your church was always meant to be a movement, a movement that you wanted them to be participants in. 
And so, God, would you just show us what that looks like? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.